Good morning, Life Center Church. It's so good to be with you on this Sunday morning. Uh, I've actually lost count of how many weeks now we've been doing this. I guess it's going into months and um, never would have thought when we you know, went into a, a lockdown that we would uh, still be in lockdown. And that's one of the things I wanted to even uh, address today a little bit is the fact that you know, we're living in very uncertain times and uncertainty can be extremely unsettling to some. Yet, I think in the midst of uncertainty, we have to be cultivating our intimacy uh, with, with the Lord, hearing His voice, and just following what the Holy Spirit's saying so that in the middle of what seems like great uncertainty, we know that our footing is sure in, in Christ, that we have our feet firmly planted in the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. You know, uncertainty was not uncommon in the Bible. Uh, and I, as I read the scriptures, uh, especially around the resurrection, I, I get a great uh, comfort from understanding that often in the midst of great change is great uncertainty, but that God is operating his purposes to bring about his kingdom. And so with that thought, I, I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. And most of you know the story. It's the road to Emmaus. Uh, there were two of the disciples walking on the road. It was a about a seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to the town of Emmaus. And uh, they were in uncertain times. They thought they had an understanding of what Jesus was about to do, and they, they missed it. Uh, and so they were trying to navigate this situation and this circumstance. And I think when we're walking through things like the coronavirus and the pandemic and we're sheltering in place and some of us have been furloughed and some of us have been let go and some of us are working from home but everything is different you know we need to understand that god is in god is still good he's still in the midst of all of this and he's working his purposes uh in the earth in us and it's gonna be good that so we have to set our expectation that it's gonna be good and that's hard for some of us because if you don't know, you know, we want to know what's it going to look like, what's going to happen. And there's, there's something called, there's a scripture that says the just shall live by faith. And I think that we're walking this out by faith, trusting God and his goodness. But let's look at the, what the disciples um, in the road to Emmaus, how they dealt with that. Okay, uh, Luke 24, I'm going to begin reading at verse 13. Now behold... I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now, behold, two of them, the disciples, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they went... Um, <clears throat> I'm sorry. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near with them but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, 
What kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk and you seem so sad? Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to Jesus, or said to him, he didn't know it was Jesus, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Uh, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, oh, what things? I love the way Jesus plays this off. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Verse 21, now focus on this. But we were hoping that it was he who is going to redeem Israel. I find this verse, this transition verse, very interesting. They had an expectation. They had a hope. They, they pre-decided what things were going to look like. And when it didn't turn out the way they thought, their world started to collapse. I think it's very important for us not to hold on to opinions and things that we think we know exactly how it's going to work, how our life's going to work, who we're going to marry, what age we're going to get married, um, you know, what job we're going to have, where we're going to live. We try to plan out all these things and dream, and it's okay to dream, but we have to be flexible in the hands of God and flow with the Holy Spirit. So again, looking back at verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. And they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of these who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And I want to pause there for a moment. He said, O foolish ones. He didn't call them evil, but he called them foolish. And he said, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And I wonder if in the conversation, you know, the Bible gives us the important facts, but it doesn't always fill in every little detail of what might have happened. I'm thinking because he points out that they didn't believe all that the prophets had said, maybe the, when they were having this conversation, they even quoted some scripture. I mean, if you look at Isaiah 9, Verses 2 to 7, it says, there's a messianic scripture that I think this is one of the messianic scriptures that they were focused on when they believed that Jesus was about to restore the kingdom to Israel. In Isaiah 9, beginning of verse 2, it says, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And we know even in Matthew's gospel, that's one of the first things that he, he quotes. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice 
when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. This is talking about the conquering Messiah. As in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom. Let me say that again. It says, of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establishment with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So I believe that most of the disciples were faced, were considering scriptures like this and other scriptures that talked about the conquering Messiah, which we look at today and know that that's going to be, when Jesus returns, he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. There's going to be a thousand, it's not the end. The Bible tells us clearly that Jesus will set up his rule on earth and there'll be a thousand year reign and, you know, people will be given a marriage. Life will continue only under the government of God, which will be in righteousness and holiness, and there'll be nothing like we see today with all the kingdoms of this world, but it'll be under the government of God. But they will see, that's what they were looking for. They had an expectation that Jesus was going to bring the kingdom, and it's going to look a certain way, and we're going to be right beside him. You know, we know the story in the gospel where the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come to Jesus and they say, uh, when, you're, when you're in your kingdom, can you grant that this, my, my two sons, one will be at your right hand and the other at your left? And he kind of says, well, that's not for me to grant, but my father in heaven. And the disciples get angry and jealous and, you know, because they didn't think to ask that first. It's it just craziness. But they were operating on their a worldly idea of what it means to rule and reign and to have kingdom. They were looking at how the Gentiles have kingdoms and they lord it over others. And they were, they were under that mindset, not knowing the full purposes of God. And I want us to take this time, which is like a reset, and not think that we already know the answers. There's much we don't know. We know God's good. We know He has a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. We know He's working all things together for our good. And that's Scripture, and, and we know that's happening. But if we decide how God's going to do it, then we can create ourselves up. We can set ourselves up for great disappointment. And sometimes I think even a falling away because of disappointment. You know, it's hope deferred, the Bible says, makes the heart sick. And when things, when you start to hope in something that's not what God has for you, and then it falls apart, you're like, oh, I, I, put all, I thought this was it. And when it doesn't work out, you have this de deferral, this hope deferred in your heart, and you get heart sick. And if we're not carefully just cultivating a place with God, 
and not so full of what we want or we desire or so set on I know it's going to be this way or you know just so self-sure of our you know we need to be sure that God is good but we need to be have our ears open to what the Holy Spirit is doing and so it's interesting that Jesus and they don't know it's Jesus but he says to them oh foolish ones they didn't call them evil but he called them foolish and he says and slow of heart I'm back in Luke 24 uh, it's around verse 22 or 23. He said, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and, and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, meaning he explained or he interpreted uh, to them all, all the scriptures. Very interesting. Uh, the things concerning himself. So what did he do? He took them through Isaiah 53, uh, which, which talks about the suffering Messiah. Look it up. You know, that's the scripture where it says, uh, you know, um, by his stripes we were healed. That, you know, the chest, uh, all of our, he took all of our iniquity uh, upon him. Let's turn to it because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, messing up and trying to do it by memory, but Isaiah 53 says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, a root out of a dry ground. He has no former comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by man by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He's despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement or the punishment for our peace was put on him, and by his stripes we are healed. And so Jesus starts to expound all of the scriptures concerning Messiah. And he puts Isaiah 53 in context. And he starts to explain to them what would happen. Uh, it says, in beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him. And they said, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And when he, and when he went in <clears throat> to stay with them, verse 30, it says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, he blessed it and broke it, and gave it to them. And when he gave it to them, their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. I find it interesting that their eyes were opened. You know, Paul in Ephesians gives us a, a prayer. I think it's Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 9. It says, you know, God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you that the eyes of my understanding may be enlightened, that I would know the hope to which I'm called and the greatness of your power toward us who believe. 
it's a great thing to take those prayers that Paul prayed in the scriptures and to pray them ourselves. But here, Jesus opened their eyes. And I think we're in a similar time. We need God open our eyes to see and understand what are you doing in this time and this hour? This is a very unusual time and hour. The church is being stretched. I'm here, uh, you know, recording a message for Sunday morning um, because we can't gather corporately. I was very used to it. I was into a routine. I love coming together. I love giving hugs and greeting people and seeing everyone. And But we've been having to adapt and shift. Yet it's interesting when you look at our you know, our YouTube page or others, like there's so many more views um, and people are opening up emails. Could this be part of the way that the great ingathering happens? Is it that the word of God now is going out far beyond the walls of the church? Because everyone, those in the church, those outside the church, if they want prayer, if they want um, to hear a, a sermon, they, they have to tune in. And so maybe those who didn't want to you know, show up in church or they felt embarrassed to show up or something. It's they're in the privacy of their home and they're they're clicking on or they're they're viewing. I think God is at work. And I think this transition time is is a real shifting. When Israel came out of Egypt, there was a great shift and they had a transition from the slave mentality to being sons and daughters of God and understand that they would move into a promised land that God was about to give them, but they had to have a whole new mindset. And their failure to want to hear the voice of the Lord and to press into that caused the whole generation to pass away in the wilderness. You know, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai, he brought all of the elders with them. And then when God came down, they got scared and ran and said, oh, we don't want to hear from God. Moses, you go here and then tell us. And as you, you remember, when I, I shared on Easter Sunday, uh, this was kind of a, a New Testament reality that they weren't ready to receive. Our ability, each of us, to, to, to be able to commune directly with God, to have no one in between, because Christ came to, and he, just, he ripped the veil that separated us from God and shed his blood so that we would be forgiven of our sins, washed away, and now we have access boldly into his throne. And I think more than anything, God is trying to cultivate amongst his people, his body, called the church, you and I, uh, a relationship of intimacy with him, with one another, that we can start to see the kingdom of God advanced. So anyway, their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished in their sight. And they said to one another, did not our hearts burn within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road? And when he opened the scriptures to us, he keeps using this word opened. Verse 31, so they rose up that very hour. They returned to Jerusalem, which is about seven miles away. Said, And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed. By the time they get back now, everybody is saying, the Lord is risen indeed. And he's appeared to Simon. And they told about the other things that had happened on the road and how, he was, how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now, even as they said these things, look what happens. Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace 
to you. And so what was their reaction? They were terrified. <laughs> this, this must have been very freaky. I mean, you have the risen Christ. He's showing up to certain people. People are starting to rejoice and say, it's true, he's risen indeed. But then when he shows up, it's scary. I mean, he is the risen Christ. They saw him crucified. So this is still, these are people. It's flesh and blood people like you and me. And so when Jesus shows up, you know, it can be terrifying on a sense. Like it's, it's exhilarating and rejoicing, but then there's, a, there's a terror. There's a holy fear of God. Like, oh my God, this is Jesus. And... Um, so Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened. And suppose they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your heart? And then he said, Behold my hands and feet, that it is I myself. You know, it's, it's interesting. Why are you troubled? And why did doubts arise in your heart? You know, I think maybe even in this time that we, he, Jesus might be saying to are, are you troubled? Is this, is this whole thing, it, it's unsettling. I think it can be very unsettling to many. And that's why during this time, it, the real question is, where are we allowing our roots to go deep in? I feel like many of us have the opportunity to take this time when we're home. I think my wife preached this message just a week or two ago, maybe two weeks ago. You know, you may not have this time again like this where you're able to pull away and have a reset, let your roots go deep in God. Okay, why, why did doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands and feet, it is I myself. Handle me and see, for I am, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. It's interesting, he doesn't say blood. His blood was shed. But he says a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones as I have. But while they stood, st while he still did not believe for joy, and they marveled, he said to them, Have you any food here? So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. He took it and he ate it in their presence, and he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. He's pointing them. Go back. Look at the law. First five books of the Bible, what we know as the Bible. Uh, all of the prophets and the Psalms basically covers everything. And because they spoke concerning me. And he opened their understanding, again, opened. He opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So the disciples go from this, they're in this time, it's really a crisis time, the road to Emmaus. You know, we've heard these crazy reports. What do we do? We thought he was the Christ. We don't know anymore. And then Jesus has to explain it to them. I feel like we're in a season where there's great transition. I know as a church, we never did this YouTube channel before, live streaming, Zoom call meetings. And thank God 
by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you know, we had a, a basic setup to do this from before. I, 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 I don't know if I questioned it, but sometimes I would look, we, like, we put all these cameras up, we did the lighting, but you know, we haven't used it. And then all of a sudden the word came down where we're going into shutdown, churches aren't gonna be able to meet. And I got on the phone to Colt and I was like, Colt, we gotta get this operational. He was already on it. It was amazing and we were, we really didn't miss a beat. We've, you know, trying to work through operational hiccups, but thank God we really didn't miss a beat. We were able to stay in touch. And I, I just, I'm, I'm just so proud of our church family is how we've, we've adapted. Because I feel like God is saying to us, you have to be adaptable. The most important thing we can be at this time is willing to move when the Holy Spirit's moving. And so whether it's a Zoom call, uh, YouTube, whatever, or however, I don't know what it's going to look like in the future. I don't even know when this is going to actually end. Like there, you know, there's talk about us coming over, coming out of lockdown and, you know, they're talking about phases. But when will they allow us to gather corporately in groups of 50 or more? That might be even further out. So the Lord is saying to me, you know, be ready. Be ready in season no matter what. And I really do think this is a time for us to ask God for wisdom. It's a time that we press into wisdom. Um, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear, a wise man will hear and increase his learning. A man of understanding will attain wise counsel. He will get what he needs. To attain something is to get it. He will attain or go and get wise counsel to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I looked up the definition of enigma. The definition of enigma refers to a person or a thing that is mysterious, puzzling, or difficult to understand. I think this situation with the coronavirus is a bit of an enigma. I mean, it's a virus. We understand that it spreads, it can be deadly, we have to social distance, but how did this start? Where did it come from? And what is God doing in the midst of this is the question like, God, nothing takes you by surprise. You know, and there's different camps, you know, is it a judgment from God? Is it the enemy attacking? You know, do we need to repent? And uh, I listened uh, to a sermon by Mike Bickle and, and I, I kind of agree with him. He said, it's all of the above. It's all of the above. And I think it's important that we don't try to single out one thing over another. And as we look at the scripture, some of us are like, you know, I'm, I believe in God for the, you know, the kingdom to come now. You know, we're going we're, we're to bring the kingdom reality wherever we go, signs, wonders, you know, God's prosperity, you know. But if, if you only have a mindset that everything is good and getting better, then when, you're, when difficult times come, you don't really have a grid to theologically parse through it. You know, the Bible says that it, the 
you know, there's going to be the great and terrible day of the Lord. It's great and awesome, but it's also terrible. And so we as the people of God need to walk in the full understanding of scriptures. And I don't want to make the same mistake that the disciples in the road to Emmaus made. Like, look at one set of scriptures, grab onto those, claim those because this feels good. I like this. Let's go with that and ignore other scriptures that talks of times of testing and trial and pressure. You know, we, it has to be both and so that we're equipped to go into the new season. And God is good and he's always faithful and he's gonna get us through. So, um, but if we have a, a theology that says, you know, God is good and never lets anything bad happen to me. Um, and it's not that he lets things happen. We live in a fallen world and, and fallen men, you know, things happen. God makes a way of escape for his people. He made a way of escape for Noah. He made a way of escape for many others. Um, for David, you, re, you see how God protected David, you know, but also in Hebrews, it, it, it talks about, you know, and some didn't receive escape, but they suffered a martyr's, a, a martyr's death. And, uh, but God is good. And they're remembered in the hall of fame. You see, the early disciples had a recognition of their hearts were set on eternity and they were living for God, right? It says in Revelation, it says, you know, those who overcame him, <clears throat> overcame by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. There has to, we have to have our hearts fixed in eternity. God's going to meet our needs. You know, for those who lost jobs, he's going to come through with a job. He's going to come through, you know, in, in every different way. But we need to be looking for his kingdom. I want to close by asking you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, because I, I, it's funny. I wasn't going to go to this scripture, but just before um, I was in worship, before we recorded this uh, time, we were recording a worship set and I was just in the presence of the Lord. And I just felt um, Matthew 24. Um, Actually, I'm sorry, it's Matthew 25. It's interesting because Matthew 24 sets up Matthew 25. Duh. Of course, Bill, it comes before it. But the point being, <laughs> thank you. The point being, um, you know, they were asking about the times, you know, when, when, are, you know, when will the time be that you set up your kingdom? This is in 24. And Jesus actually says that no man knows the day or the hour. And he gives him some, you have some signposts but only my Father in heaven knows. No man knows the day or the hour. So I find that interesting and, and important because if anyone says, you know, Jesus is gonna come back next week, they don't know. He's gonna come back in 50 years, 100 years, they don't really know. I don't know when the Lord's gonna return, but I know he's gonna return and I know he's gonna give us, you know, we can know the signs, but it could be, but a day with the Lord is like a, a, a a thousand years is, is, is but a day to the Lord, and, and, uh, and a day but a thousand years, right? So we, we don't know. And, but here's the thing. He wants us to be ready, and I feel like this is the point of what I was trying to say. I don't want us to... The disciples on the road to Emmaus thought they understood something because they grabbed onto certain scriptures and weren't open that it could look different. And I think God's moving us into something that's going to look different. And he wants us to be flexible. 
and he wants us to have our ears and hearts attuned to what the Holy Spirit's saying. So I'm going to end with reading from Matthew 25. It's the parable uh, of the wise and the foolish virgins. Jesus said, Then the kingdom of heaven, speaking of these times, shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with the lamps. Now, oil speaks of the Holy Spirit. It speaks of the, we, 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 we receive the oil that gives us life from the Holy Spirit. And they, they not only had filled their lamps with oil, but they took an extra jar as a reserve. And that's, that, that comes through time and intimacy with God. But those who were foolish, they didn't tend to that. It says, the wise took oil, with their ves- took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all fell asleep. At midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming out. Go and meet him. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. They ran out of oil. The, lamps were about to, the light was about to go out. They weren't cultivating a relationship and place of intimacy in that time. And they're, they're, they'd grown lukewarm. And their lamp was not out, but about to go out. And so they said, give us some of your oil. But the wise answered saying, we can't give you our oil. This took years of cultivating intimacy with God. You know, I, it, I, I can't give you my oil. Um, Give us some of your oil or our lamps are going to go out. But the wise answer saying, no, lest there be not enough for the both of us. Why don't you go to those who sell and buy for yourselves? In other words, cultivate that place. Go, go to those who buy and sell. Cultivate the place of intimacy where you'll get oil. So when they went, to buy, when they went out to buy, the bridegroom, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him into the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, I assuredly say, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you do not, you do watch, for you know neither the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I find it interesting because the, the virgins were not evildoers. It says some were wise and some were foolish. Now, we all, in the course of our lives, we get busy, you know, we, we let other things crowd out that place with God at times. And I think God's like shutting everything down. Can't go to the movies. You can't, you know, go hang out with friends. It's like, it's a shutdown saying, here's an opportunity. Reset. We've talked about that. Reset. Reset what? Reset your, your intimacy with God. Cultivate a heart of revival in your heart. I mean, we're praying for revival. Let's get revival in our, each of our hearts where we're just welling up with more of God. And wherever we go, it's pouring out of us. And then we start to see a kingdom reality. I believe this is the scripture for today. Let's be wise. Let's cultivate oil in our lamps while we have time. God's actually given us an opportunity right now. Cultivate intimacy when everything else is shut down. So that when we come out, we're going to come out different. It's like 
the caterpillar going into the, you know, the, the cocoon and it comes out transformed. Let's take this time. Let's let the transformational power of God operate deep within us. When we come out, we come out different and we're able to bring the kingdom of God. Life Center Church, I love you guys. I miss you so much. I can't wait till we're together again. I don't know when that's going to be. I want to be prepared though. I want to use this time wisely. Please, I want you to use this time wisely. God has great things for you. Step into it. I quoted a scripture last time, Daniel. Those who know their God, you know, will be strong and will do great exploits. I think this is our time. Let's know him. Let's not be those who said, I never know you. I, I never knew you. Let's have such a relationship with God that, you know, if they, if, if someone wants to know us, they've, they've seen the Father, right? Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That that might be said of us. When you see me, you've seen the Father because I want to emanate who he is. More of him, less of me. Look, we're all, we all have a ways to go. I more than any of you. But let's go there. I love you, Life Center.